Welcome to the First and Gold Podcast, the official podcast of the Irish Tribune, your source for all things Notre Dame. He's Joe, I'm Nick, and this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to check us out at theirishtribune.com, follow us on our socials at the Irish Tribune and at First and Gold Pod. And uh, again, make sure you check out the Irish Tribune. A lot of great articles coming out from all of our awesome writers and um, definitely don't want to miss out on that stuff. So, but episode four, uh, Notre Dame takes care of business in their home opener. Uh, The Irish played their first FCS uh, HBCU school uh, in Tennessee State and they came away with a big victory, uh, 56 to three. So, Joe, let's jump into our uh, three BTs. Go ahead and tell everybody what uh, what that's all about. Yes, sir. So we're moving forward with um, kind of a fun little interactive between you, you and I, Nick, where we basically draft our three biggest takeaways uh, from the game. And we'll do a snake draft. So, you know, if you take Sam Hartman, let's say, I can't take Sam Hartman as well. So that would be off the board. Um, but, again, you know, you started last week, so I'll go ahead and start this week, and then you'll go ahead with your first and second pick. I'll hit my second and third pick, and then you finish it off with your third pick. And then we'd love to hear from, obviously, our listeners. Uh, hit us up on Twitter if we missed any big takeaways that you had on the game um, to get you guys involved to see uh, what things we may have missed um, or things that you may agree with as well. So to get that started, um, obviously, just kind of overall thoughts on the game here real quick, Nick. Loved every second of it. Loved every second of it. Um, I know the beginning didn't start out the way we anticipated. There was some panic maybe from some uh, Notre Dame fans on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, once Devin, uh, Devin Ford ha- had the fumble and with the ridiculous non-targeting uh, call or non-review. But overall, I, I got everything I wanted out of this game. Got everything I wanted out of this game. You got to see... A lot of guys hit the field. Uh, but my number one takeaway, my first pick of, of our 3BT draft is 38 seconds, no problem. Man, Sam Hartman put a, together and Jared Parker put together a masterful 38 seconds. I know you could call two-minute drill um, to finish off the second half and really put uh, a close on Sam Hartman's night um, or really day, I should say. It was so beautiful, Nick. Nick, it was so beautiful. He was so calm and cool, hit every one of his targets, and they just went down the field surgically. It was no hit, problem. To hit Holden Stays on a touchdown. And he, that's where Sam Hartman's experience, Mr. Cool, this is no big deal, comes into play where I think it's going to be a big factor down the road. And it was chef kiss, chef kiss. And I was so excited going into halftime. When, when we just absolutely made a surgical drive down the field to really put this game. Obviously, it was pro- kind of out of question anyway, but 
really close the book on, on Sam Hartman in the first trains night uh, on offense. Great pick, man. I And I agree with you. You know, there's not many times as a college football team that you get to practice a two-minute drill, or in this case, a, a one-minute drill, where, you know, you can treat it like a, a real situation, but it's not like we had to have that to win the game. No. So to kind of get those practice reps in, in a live game situation was huge. And Hartman was just, I mean, he was incredible on that. Just, you know, going through his reads, hitting his targets, yeah. and really taking control of the whole offense. I I couldn't agree more, man. I, I was very impressed with with Hartman and the offense um, on oh. that, that quick drive. It was, it was, it was just so beautiful to watch. And I don't care that it was Tennessee State. You play who you play, and you got to execute. You hit Jabron Payne for three yards to start it. Then Mitchell Evans back-to-back receptions for 18 yards. Then you hit Mitchell Evans again for 13 yards. To say we haven't even touched our tight ends until this drive. And then you go Jaden Greathouse 24 yards, and then Sam Hartman closes out with a four-yard pass to Holden Stakes. I mean, it was surgical, no mistakes, Bang, 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 tutty, tutty. And yeah, I was like, tutty. I was like, oh, this is all I need to see. Sam Hartman going to halftime, put on that white penny. We are good to go. We are good to go. I I've love seen enough. Sam Hartman. <laughs> oh, it was chef kiss. Chef kiss. Yeah. So that, I, that, that has to be my number one pick. That's a good pick, man. Um, I'll go ahead and with uh, my first pick. And I'm going to go with uh, basically my watching this game. I, I was in South Bend watching the game and then watching other college football uh, games over the weekend. My biggest takeaway from all of this is that, man, I am so happy that we have Marcus Freeman as our head coach. Preach. And a phenomenal coaching staff around him. You know, I, I was watching – the LSU and uh, Florida State game, and <laughs> it, it was typical big game Brian, right? It, you know, it's almost like I was talking to some of my buddies. They were over for the game, and I was like, I can almost predict what's going to happen here. You know, going to halftime, it's a close game. Kelly doesn't make any adjustments, and Florida State just kicks the crap out of him in the second half. I was like, yep, I've seen that happen uh, way too many times. Yeah, he abandoned so, the run game, too. I was like, I've right. seen that before. Yeah, right. So I'm just so grateful to have a guy like Freeman who he doesn't make excuses. He's not out there complaining about how uh, it's too hard to do it at Notre Dame. Uh, on the flip side, he's embracing Notre Dame. He's showing that it can be done uh, at Notre Dame. And, and he's just doing it first class. He's put together a great staff, and, and we're playing as well as, as anybody. I mean, you look at some of the other teams that played this weekend uh, and, and how they struggled. You know, of course, big game Brian and his loss. But, uh, you know, Ohio State struggled a little bit, and uh, Clemson got beat. So, you know, the fact that Freeman has put together the staff he has, I feel like he's fully bought in. Um, man, my biggest takeaway is just that I, I could not be happier to have him leading our program. My coach. That is my coach. My coach. And Dana, you took one of mine, so I got to take this off my <laughs> list. Um, but I agree with you completely. I mean, Freeman's confidence just seems like it has grown so much since last year 
and it's really started this off season and it's obviously carried over into the season. And I think assistant coaches are a big part of it. And let's, yeah. let's be honest, you know, Tommy Reese was not Marcus Freeman's guy. You know, Marcus Freeman was given, you know, a marriage by uh, Swarbrick saying, you know, this is a paired, a paired marriage. You're Tommy's going to take the offense, you know, Marcus, you're going to be the head coach. And, you know, we'll, we'll find, uh, you know, pretty much people who fit um, that are either already on staff. And then Marcus kind of had the, had the picks from there with defensive coordinator, et cetera, with Al Golden, but it didn't feel completely his team, right? It, it, you know, it's, you know, that's Tommy Reese's, you know, offense, you know, Tommy Reese was making the calls and he's the one screaming in the phone at, 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 at the quarterback when he's coming off the field. Um, and to see it evolve this year, and I know Sam Hartman fixes a lot of those problems, but you still have to tip your cap to Marcus Freeman coming into his own right now. And you can just feel it on the sideline. You can see it on, on the TV. I'm sure you saw it, uh, you know, being able to see it without the commercials being there actually in the stadium, um, looking absolutely dapper in his press conference, looking absolutely swaggy. Yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's fun that Notre Dame is starting to really embrace Freeman. I think he's more confident with the offense because Jared Parker is his guy and they got Geno in. And it seems like more of an inclusive staff um, that feels that they, they're they a team. They're a team with the staff and they got things rolling on rolling on all cylinders right now. And it's, it's fun to watch. And like you mentioned, like you mentioned, there are other teams that are struggling. Just because we play Navy and Tennessee State, you still have to execute and we have looked flawless, yeah. flawless. You know, you may say a drive or two, we're not, you know, looking 100% our best, but you can't expect to look 100% best on, on every single defensive um, drive or offensive drive. Um, it's 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 kind of, it's, it's fun kind of seeing this blossom. And um, I, I couldn't be more excited to have Marcus Freeman as the future of, of Notre Dame. Same, buddy, same. Uh, with that, I'm going to go with my second biggest takeaway. And this one's actually not a positive one. Uh, this Ooh. is going to be the first uh, negative Ooh. takeaway uh, in this segment. So I, I hate to be that guy, but. Let's hear the hot you know, take. Let's hear it. So, so being at the game, I feel like you can see things a little bit differently than you can on TV. And as I was watching, and especially in the first half, I was watching our wide receivers. And a takeaway I have is I'm really a little – I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about our wide receivers being able to get open and create separation. I, I know I know that we have Sam Hartman who can, you know, put the ball wherever he wants and make his wide receivers look good, and he is. But watching, watching our wideouts struggle to get open and, and to get separation against Tennessee State for part of the game – it really has me a little bit worried going into, you know, the, the meat of our schedule. So I, again, I, I don't, I don't think this is something that, you know, is, is going to blow up our season or anything like that, because thank God we do have Sam Hartman, but uh, just watching the game in person, I just remember thinking that this is going to be something that's going to hurt us down the road. What do you think, Joe? Well, I, I think that's a great takeaway because, you know, obviously I just I've seen our games through 
the TV, right? And, you know, you being able to kind of see the all 22, seeing, you know, the separation, the wide receivers are getting downfield. I, that's an interesting take. And um, I think, you know, my main takeaway when you're going into this is, thank God we do have, you know, Sam Hartman. Um, and the reason yeah. is, is this is an experienced quarterback that can go through progressions. You mm-hmm. know, again, not taking shots, actually taking shots, I guess, at former <laughs> former quarterbacks. You know, it felt like a one, maybe two-person read, and then it was panic time, you know. Yeah. And um, seeing Sam go through progressions and finding wide receivers because in that first half, you know, when, again, he only just played a half of football, he found 10 different um, people for receptions, including running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, and he was just spreading the wealth. So when you have a young core that doesn't have a lot of – uh, let's say experience on the field to say the least. Jaden Thomas is kind of emerging, as you could say, the wide receiver one. Yeah. I think he's had an awesome start to the year, but you're going to have some growing pains. I think you bring up a good point. Yeah, and, and I, I guess again, you know, I, I made it one of my takeaways, and and I don't want people to think like, oh, Nick's a, a Debbie Downer. I just it, it came to my mind while we were watching, and I was thinking, you know, when we go up against some of these tougher teams and. You know, they have a better pass rush and Sam's not going to have as much time. It's just something that kind of worries me. So with that, let's hear your second takeaway, Joe. Yeah. So uh, my takeaway for my second overall pick is Ramon Henderson more time? Question mark. Uh, I thought Ramon had uh, an outstanding game. And I know Xavier Watts has kind of solidified himself in, in our secondary but I love to to see Ramon Henderson uh, get some more playing time. I mean, what an outstanding athletic interception, you know, full layout, you know, to get the ball, great grab, um, and really fired up our defense. And when you guys, when we have playmakers back there that can do that, um, you know, I, I think that just, you know, really gives our defense some juice. And to be honest, you know, again, I guess this is kind of a negative takeaway, one thing that I've noticed, DJ Brown's missed a lot of tackles, I thought, where, you yeah. know, we could have stopped, you know, a drive and, you know, he has a chance to get a guy in the backfield and just whiffs. And yeah. Ramon Henderson may be, you know, emerging into getting more snaps uh, in the secondary. And I love, uh, you know, PFF put out their highest graded safeties from week one. And Ramon Henderson was a 90.2. And that would oh, be. I didn't see that. Yep, and that would be fifth among safeties among Power Power Five teams. So um, I love seeing that from Ramon Henderson. I love his athleticism. Um, I think he's a great combo with with Xavier Watson. I'd be really excited to see him get some more snaps uh, in our secondary. It's a good take. I I agree with you. I, I think Ramon has played very well so far out of the, out of the two games, and you know I, I wouldn't mind seeing him. Um, get more reps as well. I, I think the only thing keeping DJ Brown um, in the rotation right now is just him being able to get everybody else lined up and knowing what's going on with the defense. But as far as making plays and athleticism, I'm with you, man. I, I think Ramon uh, has earned some more time. So I think that's a good take. Perfect. And I'll go into my final third pick of, of takeaways from the Tennessee state game. And one guy, and I think he caught a lot of Notre Dame fans' eyes, is Josh Burnham. Josh Burnham looked like he was playing with such a fire. 
Um, even when the game was over and, you know, it's the end of, you know, the third, fourth quarter, man, he was going 110%. And he was giving us, our defense, really a lot of energy on, on the defensive line. And he was able to show his athleticism and the speed uh, and, and really just kind of the whist. They, they did a lot of, um, obviously, uh, you know, read actions. Um, um, what is those called? Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm losing it, Nick. Uh, but those, um, but basically just either they're handing it off to the running back or quarterback. Yeah. Um, RPOs. Wow. Just whew, went right over my head. <laughs> All <laughs> good, right man. All good. Yeah, but the the RPOs and Josh didn't didn't fall for those fakes and ran down a running back. Um, God, he just looked fast and makes me feel very good about the Viper position. Everyone knows how I feel about Jordan Patello. I think he's going to have to have a big game versus NC State. But you know, with Junior and, and Josh kind of solidified there as as kind of backups in the Viper position, uh, I'm feeling very strong that that we have some some studs coming up. And Josh made me get in some more playing time, much like Ramon Henderson, to get him on the field. I I agree with you, man. I, I think I think if there's a guy who 100% earned more snaps from this weekend, I think it's Josh Burnham. His his first step and his get off is is insane. And then you couple that with his like you said his his speed and his length. I mean, when he when he puts together all the pieces, he's going to be a dangerous oh. cat. Uh, at Viper and that's nothing against Nana Nana is a great player too just he has some limitations so I yeah I say look for look for Burnham to get some more snaps uh, going forward yeah and and people forget I mean he was a quarterback in high school played a bunch of positions in, in high school but you know quarterback you know he's never really played the defensive line he was a linebacker um, in, in high school and he came over to Notre Dame um, you know, they kind of converted him of, as of recent to to the Viper position. And I think he's starting to show signs that we may have a big time dude um, in the Viper in the Viper spot, um, not just for this year, but next year and in the following after that. I, I think he he's setting himself up to have one hell of a career. Great pick, buddy. Great pick. <laughs> All right. Let me go into my last one here. And this is another kind of big picture one for me. Don't worry, I'm not going the negative route again. Uh, <laughs> so my third and final takeaway is that the energy around Notre Dame and this team is incredible Ooh. right now. So being up in South Bend for Tennessee State, you know, going going to tailgates, walking the campus, all those things, sellout crowd. The crowd was loud. They were engaged. They were into the game, and my apologies, folks. I'm battling a little bit of a cold here. Uh, but the, the toughness, energy – That's right, baby. That's right. <laughs> uh, but the, the energy just from, from Notre Dame fans, you could feel it. And for them to be playing their first FCS school, you know, most teams play in FCS school. They're not selling out the game. They're, you know, they're, they're, they've got some fans, but they're not overly into it. I, I thought the crowd was phenomenal, and uh, I think a lot of that's credit to Marcus Freeman and, and what he's building. I think people he's got people believing again, um, and so I, I was just really excited to see all the excitement around the program and, and in the stadium, and I think it's going to continue, man. I, I, I'm really hopeful for when some of these big boys come to town, 
I think Notre Dame Stadium is going to be a tough place to play. I, I think people are are uh, underrating it big time. Oh, I mean that, that that's just music to my ears. I, I want that that stadium to be absolutely electric September twenty third. I know I'm not looking ahead. Right. But I want that to be a sea of green. I want green to be everywhere on campus. I don't want to see red. I I want that to feel like an absolute hell for for the Buckeyes when, when they walk in. And yes, sir. This this year, I, I'm with you, Nick. There's 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 that special feeling. And again, when you have a quarterback that you believe in, it can just really rally up the fans to believe that this team is building uh, on something special this season. Yep. I'm with you, man. All right, let's hear your third and final take. So I, I think I did my my three takes, right? Oh wait, did you? My bad. Yep, yeah, Ramon, <laughs> Josh, and then the 38 seconds, no problem. So that, right, that, yeah. that wraps up our, our three big takeaways. I know there's a lot of takeaways um, from the game. You know, seeing a little taste of or getting a little taste from Steve Angeli, seeing some other guys on the field that you know a lot of. A lot of young guys like Brennan Vernon, you know, Osbury. And this is why I was excited to play an FCS opponent was to get those guys opportunities, get them on the field, have their families experience watching them on the television or at the game and seeing, seeing their number on the field, making a play. We, I got everything out of it that I wanted, you know, for the most part, it was, you know, no sweat. You know, I wasn't panicking. Um, you know, we were in control, no nerves were, were shaken, um, watching and it was for the first two games of the season, it's been total enjoyment. And, um, you can feel that, that, that energy has, has built, um, going into this NC state game, which I'm fired up about. Yes, sir. And, and uh, a little more on that final thoughts on, on Tennessee state. Um, I, I'm like you. I really enjoyed seeing some of the, the twos and threes and, and young guys get in there and get some meaningful reps. Some, you know, we did our three biggest takeaways, but some, some other things that kind of caught my eye and, and Joe, you share yours as well uh, from the game to kind of put a bow on Tennessee state. And he was named defensive player of the game uh, by Marcus Freeman and the team, but Howard Cross is an animal, man. Uh, you know, for, for being undersized, uh, you can't – he he was unblockable in this game. And, and the the difference that he made was phenomenal. And and I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Patello's your son. Well, <laughs> Howard Cross is my son, okay? I'm, I'm claiming that one. I love that man. He was impressive. Um, no. uh, additionally, you know – I. I was a little disappointed in Rocco at times in this game, but also that's to be expected. You know, he's a new starter, but some of his past pro, uh, he, he gave up uh, some pressures and wasn't overly thrilled with that. Um, Fisher also, I, I wrote down, I, I didn't think this was his best game either, um, especially coming off last week where he played phenomenal. I was a little disappointed to see that. Um some others. I, I want to see more Rico. I, I know Matt Salerno is hurt now, but Rico Flores, man, he just goes 100 miles an hour no matter what he's doing. Um, yes. And, and I want to see some more of him. Um, Jalen Sneed, he flashes, man. He is so yes. quick out there. But the problem is he doesn't break down his feet. He flies past the ball carriers. If he can learn 
to get there with with all of his speed, but then settle down and make the play, he could be one of the best players on this defense. But I, because of his athleticism, I still want to see him uh, make it onto the field a little bit more, even though he may miss some tackles here and there because he's playing a little out of control. That doesn't bother me a, a ton. I want to see him out there getting reps, and, and it, it'll come in time. Um, so who are some others that uh, stood out to you, Joe? Any final thoughts here on Tennessee State? No, I, I think you you had some great honorable mentions. Uh, Jalen Snead was one that that I was going to you know potentially mention uh, in our our, our three BTS, um, and the reason was I, I like that we kind of used them in different ways. And like you said, there's there's definitely growth that that we're going to have to go through with him. But man, is he athletic and quick? There was one where he came off the edge and really affected affected the play because the quarterback you know saw him because he blew past the left tackle. And, and he had to step up in the pocket and, and make a pretty much a bad play because he just didn't have any time. I mean, Jalen just ran past the left tackle and, and forced them um, into, into, our, into our interior defensive line. So uh, I'm excited to kind of keep developing that, keep, keep getting Snead some tackles, some, some game reps. And then obviously I know Al Golden and, and Al Washington, or not really Al Washington, but, um, you know, Marcus Freeman and um, – you know, the whole defensive staff is going to be coaching him to keep getting better and better. And again, this is a great step to build confidence from, from the TSU game and the Navy game. And, you know, you have to feel confident that this is a confident team, even going away to, to the Wolfpack this week. Um, another takeaway I had as kind of an honorable mention, um, and I guess this was a bit on the negative, but it did kind of crack me up a little bit. And I know you were at the game, so you may not have been checking Twitter. But man, when when Tennessee State went on their, um, you know, they kind of went on their drive uh, the first time, and you know, Marcus kind of addressed this, saying, "Hey, we didn't expect some of the things that um, were on the first draft." And again, um, they made adjustments, and it was pretty much um, a clinic from there defensively. But you know, they hit that field goal. Devin um, fumbles on on the kickoff, which should have been targeting. And oh, that was ridiculous, dude. It was ridiculous. And, you know, the Antonio Carter play, like, it's not even close to what, what Again, Devin. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, we're not going to go into it. It's been, you know, talked yeah. about, um, you know, a lot. But, man, the amount of Marshall pitchers I saw on, on Twitter from Notre Dame oh, fans boy. absolutely hitting the panic button early. I'm like, oh, guys, geez. it's the – Calm it's down, the, yeah. It's a 60-minute game, and then we end up winning 56-3. to So, right. um. I, I, I thought that was kind of a funny thing to just see. It's like, guys, take a deep breath. You know, we're, mm. we're superior than this team. You know, let's, it's a 60-minute game for a period. It's not going to go our way for all 60 minutes moving forward for each game we play. Um, yeah. But that, those, were kind of some, yeah. Yeah, those were kind of some funny takeaways uh, I had um, regarding the game. But overall, 2-0, and couldn't be happier with this start. I mean, offensive's going, you know, I think they're 10 for 11 on on when Sam Hartman is the QB1, and the Woo. one that we didn't score on was a missed field goal. Right. You know, 10 touchdowns and, and one missed field goal. Efficiency and on top of that, at the highest. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. And on top of that, we haven't even given up a touchdown yet this season through two games. So, I mean, you, you couple those two right there with Sam Hartman scoring uh, on 10 out of 11 drives and then – us, yep. you know, only giving up two field goals. Uh, Notre Dame Nation should be pretty happy right now. I know um, I am. Right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right, moving on from uh, Tennessee State. Uh, there was some other action this weekend, kind of like I brought up earlier, like, kind of like we brought up earlier. Uh, what did you think about um, our, our man Purple Face and, and LSU? <laughs> uh, what did you think about that, Joe? Talk to me. Oh, man, I was just absolutely devastated, just devastated <laughs> to see, you know, the Seminoles just absolutely work, work the, the LSU Tigers. Um, and, and seeing Brian Kelly with with his with his face like clueless uh, on the sideline, like, oh, 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 what's going on? Twitter um, was on fire that night. Uh, by the way. If, if there's <laughs> if there's one man that's probably um, hateable by everyone in college football outside of Ellis or I guess their their own team is Brian yeah. Kelly takes the cake on that. I mean, he is probably you. one of the most hateable guys in college football um, right now. And he's just, he's just a hateable guy. And we've defended him for so long to the fact that we're on the other side of it. It's kind of fun, um, especially the way he left. And we kind of get to have um, our bones to pick with him. And it's, it's kind of fun being on the other side and kind of seeing a little bit of a demise on week one already uh, for, for Kelly and his Tigers. Preach man. And and the the biggest thing for me, uh, you know, I was a Kelly believer when he was at Notre Dame. And again, let's let's not take anything away from it. He he did a lot of great things for Notre Dame. He helped bring us back to prominence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but um, no, you're but, right. You're right. Honestly, uh, the the best thing for me is that this whole time, you know, Brian Kelly's been saying, "Oh, you can't do it at Notre Dame," or you know, you you can't recruit this way, or or there. You know, we don't have the best training table at Notre Dame, but at LSU we do. Uh, bull crap. Uh, you obviously can't do it at LSU either. So this is showing <laughs> maybe he's the problem and it's not Notre Dame. That's the problem. That was my biggest thing from all this. And I, and I loved yeah. every minute of it. Oh, and the regression from, you know, Jaden Daniels did not look comfortable, you know, second year under Kelly. Yeah. Shocking, shocking. Uh, yeah, right. a, a quarterback in his second year under Kelly doesn't look comfortable. Um, and then we have Sam Hartman here this year. Now I know he has six years of, of college football experience, but still, there it's it's that kind of tyrant behavior feels like he, he gives off to his quarterbacks where they're just so afraid to make a mistake yeah. um and and they, and they play you know you know bit puckered up to say, say the least uh, yep. um but and then the funniest thing i thought from you know the the kelly lsu thing regarding the regression and and you know twitter absolutely having a night against kelly um <laughs> you know, was, you know, again, this kind of almost boosts Marcus Freeman. Like, yeah. hey, like, we don't have to deal with him anymore. And we have this this cool guy. This guy who's right. making Notre Dame cool again. And it's a totally refreshing vibe at Notre Dame where it's like, we did upgrade. We did upgrade. I know we Kelly did. did a bunch of great, great things, but there's a different feel, vibe, energy when – when Brian Kelly left and Notre Dame fans have absolutely embraced him and it's, it's, it's exploding right now. And it certainly helps when, when Kelly's doing these things on, on national television um, against Florida state. I'm with you, man. Hey, he's uh he's LSU's problem now. And I'm, and we're loving that. So um, you yeah, almost like overstayed right. his welcome where we're like, all right. Yeah. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for taking us here. 
Thanks but, for getting us 10 wins, but yeah, you know, we, uh, we're going to go higher than that. Yeah, and I'm sure he's uh, one in our secondary compared to his. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, another big game that has, um, you know, s- some Notre Dame connections as far as the schedule goes. Duke-Clemson, uh, do you have any takeaways from that game? Man, and I watched every minute of this game. Um, didn't have a lot to do on my uh, Labor Day uh, Monday night. But man, I really enjoyed this game. Um, one because it I've was never fun been to a, watch. It was. It was fun to watch. And man, Duke was flying around everywhere. And I'm not shocked in the least. I I love Mike Elko when he was our DC in 2017. Uh, I always think of that that uh, ESPN shot, even though we got absolutely roasted that game versus Miami. But yeah. he pretty much was saying, "F the chain, we'll get the F and ring." You know, and (laughs) I think players, players play for that kind of coach now. And I know he got some backlash from Notre Dame fans that, you know, it was a hot mic situation, but I guys like playing for Mike Elko and and Duke's going to be a problem in the ACC. And it's a major trap game after Ohio State uh, that Notre Dame better be prepared for uh, following September 23rd. I think it's safe to say that it's not a trap game anymore. Like, I think it's just... Uh, probably our third toughest game now on the schedule like that after that performance Riley Leonard I mean what what a game he had very impressed and I was I was really surprised with how many mistakes and how sloppy Clemson looked because usually that's not a Dabo team usually his teams are ready to go uh and they're not shooting themselves in the foot um but I, I just thought I'm kind of like you. I thought Duke was the tougher team. I thought they were the the better prepared team, and um, it was interesting to say the least. So it, it is definitely. I think Notre Dame fans took notice um, on the Clemson side. I don't think anyone enjoyed that game more than DJU, uh, yeah. <laughs> who was yeah. kind of the scapegoat for their season last year, not hitting expectations, then him balling out at Oregon State their first game, and then you know, Klubnik not looking like the hype that, that has surrounded him this off season. Um, and I've never been a fan of, of Dabo Swinney. The, the, I'm going to go on a little rant here, but I, I can't stand Dabo Swinney when he, and I know this was at Duke, but I saw all the videos and I, I've seen this before when Dabo enters um, Death Valley, you know, he hits Howard's Rock and he absolutely sprints like all those 70,000 yeah. fans are there to see him. It's all about Dabo. It's always been all about Dabo. And I think he has some serious problems not adapting to the portal, um, not um, you know losing out on, on a big-time defensive coordinator in Venables. This, um, I know that was last year, but he's starting to feel the effects now, I'm sure, because they don't have the same dudes that, that we're used to seeing from Clemson the past decade. And, and really, what I'm, I'm really – kind of excited about because if this is the fall of Clemson's demise is that Dabo doesn't have that, that swagger anymore. He's kind of on fraud alert. And I know we battle a lot with Clemson and I really hope that that kind of leaks leaks toward the favor of Notre Dame in in recruitment. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's well said, man. Um, So yeah, it it was a good weekend for college football uh, for Irish fans. Um, but let's go ahead and look towards uh, this upcoming Saturday when uh, the Irish head down to Raleigh, North Carolina, to take on NC State. 
Um, mm-hmm. I guess, Joe, uh, how, how you feeling about this game? What worries you? Uh, what are you feeling good about? Talk to us. All right. Well, I think this is obviously the first true test, right? Um, you're, you're playing, a, I'd say, a big-time college football quarterback. You know, he may not be at the elite level, but Brennan Armstrong has a lot of experience, just like Sam Hartman. Um, the lefty can can get it done with his legs and uh, can also get it done with his arm. And, you know, that makes me a little bit nervous because Navy and Tennessee State didn't really challenge our secondary, I would say, or have the athletes or guys to do it, um, or the quarterbacks, right? Uh, you know, Navy was kind of with their system. Tennessee State obviously doesn't have the, the guys. But I watched the NC State-UConn game, and, man, their offense is – really relying on Brennan Armstrong. I mean, he he had 19 carries for 96 yards and two tutties uh, versus UConn just, in, just on the ground, and then 17 for 26 for 155 yards uh, a passing. So if you put those two together, that's a majority of their offense was was through one guy, and, and he's a tough son of a gun. I mean, he was putting his head down, making plays in the pocket when the pocket collapsed. I mean, he – he can hurt you. So, you know, Al Golden better have these guys, you know, ready for, for that kind of, of quarterback. Yeah. I mean, uh, what Brendan Armstrong was able to do two years ago um, with the, the same offensive coordinator he has now, it it was pretty scary. Like as far as if you're facing him, I I mean, he, he can be a dude if put in the right situations. Um, So if you're Al Golden, what route do you take as far as slowing down Brennan Armstrong? Or I guess what, uh, what would be your game plan, Coach Joe, if you're <laughs> going into this game? Well, we got to contain Brennan Armstrong. And I think it starts I think with, one, with our yeah. two edge guys, right? And um, I'm going to start with them. I think Jordan Patello and um, Jean-Baptiste, they, they need to set the tone on, on the two tackles early. And UConn was able to get some pressure on them. Now, they weren't able to finish a lot of those plays, and Brennan was able to get out of the pocket. But, you know, if they contain and not let him release on the outside to, to you know, gain six yards or eight yards on, on, a, on a third down that they're third and five from, that, that's going to be huge. And, and then again, I, I think Al Golan's going to use a lot of spy. I think we have some athletic linebackers. I saw Maris doing that a little bit versus, versus Tennessee State. He's going to have to be able to to contain him as well and and make sure that we're keeping an eye on on him not getting comfortable or really allowing them or him to have alleyways um, in between our defense to to move the chains. Well said. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I definitely think we should uh, we will have a spy on him, whether that's Marist or, or J.D. Bertrand or, or Kaiser, but. I also think heat them up, heat them up early. You know, yeah. I think we have the corners uh, that we can put them on an island um, and just send a lot of different pressures at him, make him uncomfortable. And, and if he gets a few big plays with his feet, fine. But he's not going to be able to do that all game. So I, I'm with you. I think heat him up, have a spy on him, and, and we'll be all right. So, all right. 100%. Um, score prediction time. Well, one thing, if I, if I, if you don't mind me adding. Oh, no, yeah, go for it. So I know we talked about their offense. I kind of wanted to hit on, you know, what we want to see out of our offense against their defense. And, Good you point. know, watching the UConn game, 
You know, I, I think there's this running back room. McCullough, thank you. Thank you for putting these athletes in a Notre Dame uniform because, man, we have an absolute stable, as Loaded. he's calling them. Loaded. Loaded. And we have an absolute opportunity. So it obviously starts with the offensive line. But, man, keep shuffling these running backs in there. Um, I, I think there's an extreme uh, vulnerability on NC State side because, you know, versus UConn, UConn had 26 rushing attempts for 160 rushing yards. They averaged 6.2 yards per carry. UConn did. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb saying that we may have a better offensive line and running backs in our stable compared to, to <laughs> UConn. Uh, Maybe. Maybe a hot take, but I hope that we expose it. I hope that that is something that we, that our offensive line, uh, Rudolph and and Deanna McCullough are are smiling from ear to ear, um, basically saying, this is where we're going to hurt them early. This is where we're going to hurt them early. And we're just going to feed our running backs and and push it down their throat and really set the tone early. Um, Really probably against um, a pretty hostile environment because I know NC State's going to be ready for noon, for that noon kickoff. Yeah, I think that's well said. I, I, I'm with you. Run the ball early, run the ball often. And, yes. And play action off of it. I, I, To me, if we can't run the ball on these guys, something's wrong. Now, I know it was NC State's opening game, so, you know, there's, there's going to be some mistakes, but I still feel like the talent, like you mentioned, that we have up front, uh, should be too much for them to handle. So I, we should be able to run the ball all night or all day. Sorry. Um, yeah. Hope so. So my score prediction, um, I, I do think this one's going to be tough. I, I think they're going to put us in some situations that, uh, you, you know, we haven't seen. I, I think this team will finally face some adversity in this game, which is important, but I, I'm excited to see how we handle that adversity. Um, so I think it's a close one, um, even though I think we're far and away the better team. Uh, so I'm going to go with Notre Dame 31, NC State 21. Oh, okay. I like that prediction. And to kind of go off that is what makes me a little bit worried. Vegas has, you know, Notre Dame line at minus seven and a half. And to be honest, I thought it was going to be a little bit bigger off the showings that Notre Dame's offense has had yeah, me too. Um, the last two games. So when Vegas has a line of minus seven and a half, that tells me they're expecting this game to be closer than than what you know Irish fans are are maybe expecting. Um, however, I, I may be drinking the Kool Aid. I, I may be too hyped over these last <laughs> hammer two games. the minus seven and a half. I'm hammering that minus seven and a half. That makes no. <laughs> No sense to me. That's free money. Go ahead, find your nearest FanDuel DraftKings and go ahead and hit that that pound button on on minus seven and a half. So my my score prediction. I think I'm just so uberly excited about about this Notre Dame offense when they've shown the efficiency. Their third down efficiency was nine for eleven last game. Uh, I, I think this is going to be kind of oh shoot, Notre Dame's for real for real kind of game. Um, yeah. Because, you know, all the haters have had, oh, it's Tennessee State, oh, it's Navy, oh, I'm not impressed yet. Uh, I, I think this is – and Notre Dame always – Statement kind of, game, baby. It's going to be kind of a statement game like, hey, we're here for real. And Notre Dame always kind of plays well on the road. I always feel comfortable with us on the road. I know that sounds sounds weird um, and not typical for some college football teams, but 
I, I think we always play with a little bit of edge. Um, now you can pull out some games where we didn't, of course, of course. But I, I do think, like, if you take away the North Carolina game or the Virginia Tech games in the past where we've kind of elevated our, our edge um, and elevated our play um, kind of on the road. So I know that was a long way to say that I'm hammering minus seven and a half, and I'm actually going to go 35 to 10 Notre Dame. Ooh, I like your score prediction way better than mine. I hope that's what it is. So we, I'm we probably speaking a little bit of the Kool Aid. Nah, I know Vegas man. is telling me no, but I, I can't. I can't help myself, Nick. I just keep, can't hey, help myself. Keep that Kool Aid coming. Tell the bartender. Yep, I don't care if my glass is full. Bring me another one. Let's go. Uh, I love it. Um, but we ran a little bit over on segment one. We'll be right back in segment two. We got tons of questions from you guys, uh, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the First and Gold Podcast, segment two. We got tons of questions for you guys. Uh, and again, we really appreciate you guys submitting those questions for us. Um, you guys always have great takes, great topics for us to talk about. So keep those coming every week. Um, we're excited to hear from you. Um, Joe, go ahead and you want to kick us off with our Twitter questions? Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and kickstart us with uh, with Twitter. And again, don't hesitate to ask us questions. We love, love hearing these topics. So... The first one's going to go to Corey Keene. Uh, his at is Corey, C-O-R-R-Y, Keene, K-E-E-N-E. I hope I'm saying that right, Corey. Uh, but his question is, when is Tobias going to show up, go Irish? And Nick, I'm going to punt this to you because I know you saw a little bit better of a perspective uh, being at the game. Yeah, so I, I was glad to see Tobias uh, get a catch. I think he only had one. And I... Again, I, I think his time will come. I, I was really hoping for him to have a big day against Tennessee State, but it just didn't happen. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that, you know, some of these guys might start to to take some of his snaps away, which which is not a bad thing. I just know his potential. Um, so I kind of like I mentioned on last week's podcast, I think he needs to build some confidence. He desperately needs to – catch a big pass whether it's for a touchdown or, or something just to get him going a little bit but um l- let's let's hope that uh he, he's gonna show up uh here before ohio state because uh we could definitely use him joe what do you think no doubt no doubt and i i'm still kind of on the let's let's press the brakes a little bit on tobias i know the hype surrounding him and really being our wide receiver two and really pushing Jaden Thomas to be our wide receiver one was a little premature. You know, he's, he's only caught one pass in 2022. Um, and he's only had four yards. I know this year, but here's my spin zone. Nick, tell me if I'm crazy. I'm making a spin zone here. Jared Parker really hasn't showed much of the playbook yet. You know, first two games has been kind of been very vanilla, been very yeah. vanilla. And we've been able to execute um, based off our opponents uh, of what they've been able to give us. And Jared Parker hasn't, you know, hasn't really needed to show, you know, much of the playbook and much of what this Irish offense, you know, intends to blossom into going into the year. So, again, I'm like, it's going to come. You know, it's, it, it may be some growing pains, but let's, let's, let's still give Tobias some time. Yeah, well yep. said, well said. So I'll go to our next question from Clutch Sports Notre Dame, and his at is Clutch Sports ND. Through two weeks, Freeman looks much more comfortable on the sideline in his role as head coach. 
What do you like most about this year's version of Freeman? What is something you want to see him improve on as head coach? I'll go ahead and take this one. And I know we kind of hit it in our first segment is, gosh, he, he feels like there's more and more confidence oozing out, out of Freeman that this is his program. This is his program. And I think it what comes with more of, of the comfortable side is, is having head coaches that, that belong to him, right? Tommy Reese didn't belong to him. He's got his guys running his offense and Jared Parker and Gino with the QB coach, which I absolutely love. I, I mentioned that, you know, seeing Gino talking to the quarterbacks on the sideline and his calm demeanor and, you know, making sure that they're getting coached on the sideline, even when the defense is out there. Uh, I, I think that just kind of is contagious to make Freeman feel comfortable where he doesn't need to worry about the quarterbacks. He doesn't need to worry about the running backs or, or, or the defensive line with Al Washington or the secondary with Mike Mickens. Um, you know, he, he can kind of become more in that CEO role. And I, I know it's a lot easier when you're winning games, but uh, I think this version uh, of Freeman is, is he's coming into his own as the head coach CEO of Notre Dame and something to approve on. You know, I, I think that's going to tell going down the line. He's, he's got to win the big matchups, right? Everyone's got Ohio state circled and USC circled. Um, and he's got to have to make sure his team's ready to play. He's got his first road test um, this year, uh, this Saturday at noon. So, um, you know, let's let's see what he does um, and, and what happens when – because there's going to be some adversity this season, right? There's going to be. It's going to happen. There's not like we're going to keep cakewalking um, through opponents. How, how does he respond and, and react to that? Well said, man. I, I feel like I could go on for a long time about – everything I love about Freeman um, so far uh, to touch on a few. I love his demeanor on the sidelines, you know, uh, watching the game, you know, at the stadium, I, I kind of have my eye on the sideline, like during commercial breaks and everything he's interacting with all the guys, the guys are interacting with him. He's getting fired up when they make a big play and, and he's also getting on his guys when they make a mistake. I, I, I think, it, you can truly tell that the players enjoy having him as their head coach. Whereas, you know, under Brian Kelly, th there wasn't a ton of, uh, of players that loved Brian Kelly. <laughs> I, I mean, sure, they probably respected him, but I mean, a lot of them have come out and said like, yeah, you know, I mean, he just wasn't always around. He was just kind of, you know, that head figure or whatever. So, uh, you know, to, I, I think Freeman truly, believes in Notre Dame and, and everything it stands for. That's my favorite thing about it. I think he's all in. Um, and I think he's making a, a lot of good decisions as head coach. As far as something to improve on, I, I just want to see him. To be honest with you, I want to make sure that Freeman doesn't get burnt out. Okay. I we, we, we see him taking on a lot of different things. You know, he's which is great. You know, I, I, he's taken on a lot of interviews and meet and greets and uh, meeting with boosters, et cetera, et cetera, um, which is great. But I just I don't want to see him get burnt out too quickly. I want him to preserve himself a little bit um, and then also just continue growing as, as a head coach, making those in-game adjustments. But I don't want to see my man uh, get too burnt out because – you know, be, being the head coach at Notre Dame, it, 
it's a daunting task. Yeah. I, I mean, everyone yeah. wants a piece of you all the time. So I just hope he, he learns to say no a little bit and really just focus on the longevity of it because hopefully he'll be around for a long time. I mean, great question. Clutch sports. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, one thing that, that came into my head when, when you mentioned his sideline demeanor is, you know, you know, again, you could say we kind of sluggish start with the defense and, you know, Tennessee state, you know, they're well, they're well coached. They were going to be prepared for their first drive and, you know, they get the ball back after the fumble and, you know, the, the demeanor of the team completely flipped when we blocked the field goal. Right. And I know you probably didn't see it, or you maybe saw it on Twitter afterwards, after the game, but the TV camera went to, to Freeman and you can mouse the word or basically read his lips on what he was saying. And he was fired up saying, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah, and, I, I did see that on Twitter. I was and, 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 and I love seeing that kind of fiery side of him and, you could tell that kind of jolted our team to be like, all right, time to go, time to go. And, and we didn't really look back um, the rest of the game. Well said. All right. So next question is from Notre Dame prime at Notre Dame underscore prime. He says, comparing and contrasting Freeman and Kelly, what are or were their strengths and weaknesses at ND targeting calls and no calls versus TSU were horrendous is NC state better than we think. So, Let's let's break that down. Um, you know, I'll go ahead and punt it to you, Nick. On what do you? Because okay. we kind of just hit on this. You know, comparing and contrasting mm-hmm. uh, Freeman. What what do you what do you see there? I appreciate you, Prime, for the question. Uh, great question. I, I know we did just kind of touch on it. The biggest differences to me between Freeman and Kelly are kind of like I just touched on. I think the players genuinely like Freeman. I think Freeman gets fired up with him. You know, he's there all the time, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's a big strength for Freeman. A big strength for Kelly is he knows how to to get a program to win the games that you're supposed to win. So we look at last year against Marshall and Stanford. Honestly, if Kelly was the coach, we probably wouldn't have lost those games. He won the games he was supposed to win. He he knows how to build a program and, and get the wins that you're supposed to win. Um, but, you know, you, you got to give leeway to Freeman. Last year was his first year as head coach. But um, as far as weaknesses go, I, I think Freeman, as, you know, this is his second year as a head coach, I, I think – it's not necessarily a weakness, but Freeman probably doesn't know what he doesn't know yet, if that makes sense. No, I get you. And that's something that, that'll come, you know, the experience. Um, so, again, it's not really a weakness. He can't really control that. Um, as far as Kelly goes, I, I think he's too stubborn. I, I think he likes to, to play the blame game. Um, and and I, I was always disappointed with Kelly and his halftime adjustments, like I mentioned uh, when talking about his game against Florida State. Um, so just talking about Freeman and Kelly, those are those are my biggest comparisons between the two. What do you think, Joe? I, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, again, Kelly did a lot of good things for Notre Dame, and, you know, myself included with fans, we, we like to dog them when we can now. Um, but it's it's kind of this rebirth 
uh, to the Notre Dame football program where Kelly almost overstayed his welcome. We've had too many big games where, where we lost and, you know, and, you know, Brian Kelly, whether it's throwing players under the bus or, you know, not taking full accountability and, you know, it's, it's a step-by-step process kind of mentality. Um, you know, I, I think Notre Dame fans were just getting old of it. And, and Freeman's has a little bit more sense of urgency, uh, at least that I see from, you know, his press conferences and you can kind of feel that, feel that from, from the team, um, the way he approaches players and uh, the way he approaches um, really the whole Notre Dame program. So I think that's well said. Uh, targeting calls yeah. versus um, and no calls versus TSU were horrendous. Retweet on that Notre Dame prime. Um, I think this is a big issue. Uh, I, I think this is a big issue. And, you know, I have a bigger issue if it was just, um, if it was just the Notre Dame game, but I watched a lot of college football play not playoffs, but a lot of college football games, uh, you know, this weekend or this past weekend. And I think it's just kind of a, a big time issue that the NCAA has to address with this referees from, you know, all power fives to make sure we get a better handle on, you know, what's, what's targeting and, and what's not, what's going to be reviewed and what's not, how do we get quicker communication to the refs on what needs to be reviewed? You know, it was interesting. Both of the, of the targeting calls were with, guys with the ball in their hands. These, these weren't defenseless players. These, these guys had the rock in their hands. Um, and, you know, I, the, the, the four fumble, you know, it was so obvious when you saw the replay and the way, um, you know, Devin just, you know, hit the ground, you know, his, his arms locked up. I, I, I don't understand how you don't review that. Um, and then you throw Antonio Carter, which is kind of a bang, bang play. The, the guy puts his head down and what do you want Antonio Carter to do there? You know, he, he has the ball in his hand and he's so, but Marcus Freeman, I, again, this is why I like Marcus. I think he handled it very well um, in the press conference, you know, took accountability for it and say, we just need to coach our guys better on tackling. But I, I hope this is something that's addressed at, at a higher level to obviously improve going forward, um, you know, in, in the season. Yeah, I, I I'm like you. I think it's a, I think it's a big issue across college football that they need to get figured out. But you know, if we've learned anything from the NCAA, uh, that they really don't care. So uh, we'll see if that happens. But as far as the the Devin, I'm gonna start with the Devin Ford hit. Um, that, that was pretty bad. Okay, when you watch the replay. When they showed the replay, and credit to whoever's running the replay at Notre Dame Stadium, because they did a phenomenal job. They were doing slow motion on the hit, running it back, playing it again. And it got that crowd so fired up, as they should be, because it was targeting. But I think that helped wake the guys up a little bit. But the fact that they did not review it, like you said, but then turned around and reviewed the Antonio Carter uh, hit is ridiculous to me. You, you can't just decide to review it sometimes and not others. If you're going to do targeting reviews, you do it for every targeting or you don't do it at all. It, it shouldn't be up to the discretion of the refs and, and, and how they're feeling at that moment, in my opinion. Um, now, as far as the Antonio Carter uh, hit, I'm like you. He, he was not a defenseless player. He was running the ball. 
Carter's already in his, you know, uh, motion yep. of, of getting ready to wrap up. And the ball carrier lowers his head. And Antonio Carter barely even makes contact with the helmet. And they call it. Uh, it, it was ridiculous. It, definitely something that I think, you know, college football needs to get figured out. Um, and, and I know Marcus Freeman in his press conference handled it well, but I was watching him on the sidelines and he was getting <laughs> Good. after those reps. And I was like, hell yeah, Marcus, like, don't, don't let him get away with that crap. So Good. I love hearing yeah. that. Love, love, yeah. love hearing that. And we'll go to his final question from Notre Dame prime is NC state better than we think. And I, 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 I kind of, you know, didn't hit this uh, when we talked about NC state in segment one. Um, but yes, I, I do think we need to respect NC state as an opponent. You know, th- this is going to be a big, big, big game for them um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's, it's at noon. Their fans are going to be fired up. You know, when you have Notre Dame in town, you definitely have it circled. And one thing I didn't mention is, you know, Sam Hartman's familiar with, with NC state. They he's played them many times before, um, obviously an ACC opponent with, with Wake Forest. Um, you know, and in 2021, he had three interceptions. And in 2022, he also had three interceptions. Um, and in 2002, uh, they actually lost. Wake Forest lost 21 to 30 uh, against the Wolfpack. Now, I know the NC State has has gone through, um, you know, in the offseason losing some dudes. Um, but, you know, this is a foe that is familiar with our quarterback. Um, and again, I, I'm still sticking to my 35 to 10 score. That doesn't. I'm not, I'm not shaking on that, but it's something that, you know, I know Sam Hartman's probably having in the back of his head saying, Hey, I can't take these guys lightly. You know, I've, I've had six interceptions against them in the last two years. Yeah, I think that's well said. I, and I'm like you, I do think NC state's better than people think it, you know, they played one game uh, and I, I don't care who you are, your opening game, you're going to have some mistakes. You're going to have some things that you got to clean up. Uh, especially with a new quarterback um, under center. So I, I think NC State is better than, than a lot of people are giving him credit for. And I think Brennan Armstrong, if, if he catches fire, uh, th- that could be trouble. So uh, I think that's well said. Perfect. So I'll move on to our next question from Jack Houck. Uh His Twitter handle is at Jack underscore Houck, H-A-U-K-E. How much stronger has Notre Dame's schedule gone with Duke jumping into the AP pool, given they stay ranked and Clemson remains ranked as well? Nick, I'll punt this to you. Um, you know, I, I'm not a guy that's huge on rankings this early in the season. Me either. Uh, um, I, I do think that this will help our schedule because – it kind of showed the nation what Duke's all about. Yes. They're for real. So I, I do think that helps. Um, will Clemson, I, I know they remained ranked after this game. Will they stay that way? I, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll get things cleaned up. So I guess if I have to, to give an answer, yeah, I, I'm going to go with yes. I do think this makes uh, their schedule stronger. Yep, 100%. And man, that makes it a four-game gauntlet that, that we're going into going in from September till October 14th. So the four-game four uh, stretch you have is, you know, obviously the high emotions for, for Ohio State at home. Then you go at Duke the following week, and then you go at Louisville, 
um, with obviously Brom as the new head coach. Um, and then you have USC at home. I mean, that's, that's a brutal four game stretch for the Irish. Um, and Duke obviously gained credibility for what they did to Clemson, um, you know, on Monday night. So, so I, I, that's, that's an easy one for me to say that, that it only bodes well for the Irish. Now I think Clemson's end up going to be okay. Um, but you know, Duke got some credibility now uh, on the schedule from not just Notre Dame fans, but really college football fans um, and writers throughout the country for, for their performance. Yeah. And one quick follow-up. How about the ACC and opening uh, weekend? I, I mean, they, they should pretty well. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Perfect. Perfect. And, and I'll go to the next question from Liam Gaudet. Uh, his, uh, Liam, what's up, buddy? <laughs> Liam, right. Liam's a great guy with the <laughs> Irish Tribune. Uh, his, please go follow him at Liam Gaudet, G-A-U-D-E-T, uh, and then I-T at the end um, for, for his Twitter handle. Um, but which defensive player has been most impressive through two weeks? Nick, I'll let you take this one because I think I might know who okay. you're going with. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it really came down to two for me. Um I think I've mentioned this since episode one of our podcast. Howard Cross is by far one of my favorite players on this team. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to choose, though, because Maris Leofal has really stepped up his game in the first two weeks. If I had to pick one, I, I, I guess I'll go with Maris, even though it pains me because I, I want to give it to my man, Howard Cross, but. Either of those two, you can't really go wrong with either. They've they've played phenomenal football uh, for the first two weeks. Preach, and I, I'm with you. Those are the two guys that stood out there. They're leading our team in tackles um, with 10, um, along with Jack Kaiser. Uh, I, I didn't expect to have this kind of merits this year, um, and I hope it just continues for, for him. And you're, you're right. You know, Riley Mills, I, I still think it's going to, you know, have he's going to have his big moments. I really do. Um, hard to judge. He's been a disappointment for me so yep. far. And, and I understand, and I, I'm going to, you know, give him um, a little bit of leeway based off the opponents. Um, yeah. But, but, I mean, Marist, I mean, I, I did not – if you would have told me he was the leading tackler for – or tied with the leading tackler for the first two games, uh, I, I, I kind of say you're crazy. So, um, very, very impressed yeah. with, with Marist Leofal and, and how he's kind of come into his own this year so far. All right. So going to the next question, uh, this is from Keen No Lies seventy four uh, Vel. Uh, my thoughts on it is God bless Notre Dame, and I couldn't agree with you breach, more. Vel. <laughs> yeah, breach, my man, breach Vel. Uh, he also followed up with um, another another Twitter uh, question for us, and he says, "I don't have a question, but a statement. Bashing kids that left the program is a bad look. Can you guys speak on this because?" Well, I don't like that they left. I refuse to re- disrespect kids. And Vel, I, I I completely agree. I I will never root against a kid for for leaving Notre Dame, especially when I don't know a hundred percent what the circumstances were. Whether it was family issues, you know, homesick, it could be academic, uh, academically not not fitting in. Um, it could be just depth chart wise. I understand. Hey, you know, coaches are able to leave, um, you know, on their own and with the portal. You know, if you feel like you have a better opportunity to get on the field and, um, you know, kind of have a better college football experience by by having more snaps, you know, all power to you. 
Um, there, there's a lot of factors that that go into this, and I'll, I'll never root for for a kid or root against a kid, I should say, um, that left Notre Dame. And uh, I was telling Nick, you know, when we were kind of going back and forth before we started segment two, is you know I really enjoyed watching the Duke Clemson game. Obviously, enjoyed kind of seeing Clemson fall apart there. Really impressed with Duke, but man, I love seeing. Uh, Jamie on Franklin, you know, being, being a captain and, and being their nose guard. I, I was rooting for him. You know, I watched the Minnesota game uh, versus Nebraska and Quinn Carroll playing, playing their right tackle. Uh, I enjoy watching, you know, former guys that put on the uniform that, that left um, Notre Dame for, for better situations for themselves. And uh, it also gives me kind of skin in the game on, on who to root for uh, when I'm watching opponents play that, that aren't against the Irish. But if they're playing Notre Dame, don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for Notre Dame and hope they, they don't do well. But, you know, outside of that, I, I kind of enjoy following kids that that obviously go into, you know, what they see as better situations. Um, I'm not going to attack Logan Diggs. I know there's a lot of Twitter about, you know, hey, did he even get on the field um, for his first game? I, I, I'm not rooting for him not to get on the field. I hope he does well at, at LSU. You know, if he, he if he thought that was a better situation for for his family, um, you know, that that's kind of my my stance on it regarding players that were in Notre Dame's program. They put on the blue and gold. They put in their time. Um, I know they, they gave us their their full effort while while they were um, in South Bend. But, you know, regarding decommits, however, guys that, you know, committed to Notre Dame. Gosh, those just pain me. Those just pain me a little bit more. Um, cause I'm like, oh, what if, what if, what if they were, they were suiting up for us? Cause man, was I impressed with Dylan Edwards. I, I loved him when he committed, he looked like he was in, in video game mode in Kansas when he was absolutely putting on, uh, pretty much a hoop mixtape <laughs> football form, um, you know, in, in his backyard, uh, against his high school opponents. And then also, you know, I know everyone talks about Dante Moore. What could have been, what happened? Do you silently commit or not? And I know he was a big time guy for us. Um, and I'm like, oh, seeing him do well versus Coastal Carolina, I was like, man, I, I would love for him to be kind of behind Sam Hartman thinking that he could be, uh, you know, QB1 for the 2024 team. But, you know, those are just, you know, little inklings that I have regarding, uh, you know, those situations. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I think that's well said. I, To me, it, it's one of those things where, I'm like you, I, I, I'm going to root on guys that uh, have been a part of the program. Um, you know, I, I, I see certain people on Twitter and social media bashing a kid, taking personal shots. To me, that's not okay. I, it, it, and really, I, I guess it's indicative of social media and all that. But now as far as, you know, can we look at certain situations and give our honest opinion on it? Sure. But I'm like you, Vel. I uh, th- there's no need to, to disrespect a kid or or um, take personal shots or anything like that. So I think uh, I think that's a good thing that you brought up. And and Joe, I think you hit the nail on the head. Well said. Great, great. And we, we we'll follow with our, our last Twitter question. And this is from Jr. His Twitter handle is at Keen R three C. And he said. You know, and I know we've just kind of hit on this so we can be quick, but what are your thoughts on formal head coach Brian Kelly and his time at LSU thus far? He's irrelevant to the program. Um, well, I wouldn't say he's irrelevant to the program. Obviously, you know, Marcus Freeman inherited a pretty pretty darn good situation, I say, from, from Brian Kelly. 
Um, obviously, I think Marcus Freeman has improved the program overall, you know, with, with you know, the things that I said um, in this segment and, and previous. Um, but, you know, regarding, you know, Brian Kelly's, you know, time at LSU so far, I think time will tell. I mean, a lot of the things that we complained about look to be coming true. You know, quarterback regression, getting away from the run game during a big game, um, you know, kind of having that, you know, demeanor on the sideline, um, you know, and just really being kind of unlikable. But we'll we'll see. I'm I'm very – I'm definitely going to keep an eye on LSU to see how they bounce back from, you know, pretty much an embarrassing, uh, you know – center stage game that they played against, against Florida state. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> my thoughts are, uh, we shouldn't be too hard on him. He's, uh, he's part of our family. Um, and you know, uh, no, I'm just <laughs> I, I, I was about to say, what is this? You know, from? Uh, 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 no, um, I, I think he's kind of proven us right. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of college football fans were saying that Notre Dame had sour grapes and, you know, this and that because of everything that we complained about, about Brian Kelly. And again, side note, he did a lot of good things for Notre Dame, but uh, you know, I think this is just kind of proven us right as Irish fans that he does struggle in big games. He does struggle with, um, you know, special teams. I, I mean, his special teams were really bad yeah. in this game. Uh, halftime adjustments, et cetera, et cetera. And, and like you said, just not being very likable. So um, uh, it, I, I'm like you, Joe, I wouldn't say he's irrelevant to the program. He did some, some good things, but at this point, I'm glad that um, he's, he's no longer our problem. See ya. And we, uh, yeah, deuces. <laughs> Uh, we moved on to to bigger and better better things, and uh, and Marcus Freeman we trust. So, preach, preach on. All right. So those are our Twitter questions. I'm gonna jump in for some. Uh, we had some questions on Instagram, and, and thank you guys again for all those questions. First one we have here from AM Clean 0206 on Instagram. Do you see our defense being able to keep up with OSU, Clemson, and USC? Oof. Well, Joe, go ahead. Well, I'll I'll take this one. You know, from what I've saw from Clemson, um, you know, again, Klumnik doesn't scare me. They look like they have a lot more issues with getting wide receivers open. It seemed like the only good thing that you could kind of put your thumb on that that they could do was really Will Shipley just getting the ball. Um, you know, again, I, I'm not too too concerned. Well, obviously I'm concerned, but, you know, we should always take Clemson for real. But they, they haven't shown me anything yet to make me feel like this is the, the Clemson teams of Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, to say the least, um, or have dudes, NFL dudes all over the field. Um, you know, Duke looked like the more athletic team and, and really, you know, better speed on, on the defensive side than Clemson did. Um, regarding uh, USC – they they flashed. They have flashed. Now I haven't sit down and and watched USC from beginning to end, but you know when they're putting up the points that that they are, that's no fluke either. They got a dude in Caleb Williams. There's no doubt about it. So when you have the Heisman Trophy winner, that's you know again leading leading the charge in the Heisman um, you know polls right now. 
um, you know, you got to take them for real. They're, they're going to be a real, real big test for, for the Irish. And Ohio State, again, I didn't get to see them, but I follow a lot of Ohio State uh, Twitter, and they didn't, they didn't seem too happy with the way the Indiana game went. And that was the same game time, 3.30, as Tennessee State. So, obviously, I was dialed in on the Irish. But uh, I'm interested to kind of get my eyes on, on Ohio State in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so first off, I as, as far as our defense being able to keep up, I, I'm not worried about our athleticism really on, on defense. I, I think we have uh, the athletes that can compete with these guys. Clemson kind of showed, uh, you know, I don't want to say they're true colors, but um, I, I think we'll be okay against Clemson as long as we bring our A game. OSU, I mean, anytime – you're going up against a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Egbuka. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, I mean, there's a little concern there, but um, I, I still think Al Gordon will be able to put us in a good spot for that game. And USC, no, nah, I'm not worried about him. I hate him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Caleb Williams, not a fan. He sucks. Yeah, he paints so. his fingernails. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, next question from Instagram. Harry J S H A I A says Deuce Knight question mark. Uh, so Deuce Knight's actually had a little bit of news here recently. He is transferring away from his high school in Tennessee after three games, uh, going back home. Um, which that that worries me a little bit because I think this is what his third time transferring in high school, kind of a red flag. We don't know the whole story, so I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. But I, I don't love that he's quitting on his high school team after three games. I I I I, I don't know. As as a future quarterback and leader, that gives me a little bit of pause. Um, but I, I think, you know, the Irish coaching staff is still coming after him. Um, I think they put the ball in his court. Uh, you know, they, they posted a photo, they were watching Friday night games and, uh, they had a reference to deuce and they also had a reference to bear Bachmeyer mm -hmm. basically saying like, who's going to be first. And then immediately after that bear scheduled a visit for, uh, the central Michigan game. So I think it's going to be one of those things where. Deuce knows he has the green not green light to commit, and, and if he wants to commit, he basically knows he has two weeks. But if he doesn't pull the trigger, I, I think the coaching staff is going to be more than fine uh, taking Bears' commitment uh, when he comes up for the Central Michigan game. What do you think, Joe? My exact thoughts, Nick. My exact thoughts. A red flag a little bit to me, you know, transferring um, away from your school after three games. And I know their head coach came out. This is, you know, strictly family issue, um, which you have to respect. And, you know, I hope every, absolutely. I, I hope everything is is okay with with his with his family. But it makes me think, you know, he's 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 closing in on a decision. He said, and you know, if he's already, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say homesick or whatever the situation, but you know, whatever made him pull out of Tennessee, you know these were probably the same factors that are going to weigh into his decision, whether he wants to go even further from Tennessee, you know, up to South Bend, you know, for, for his college career yeah. um, and, and be closer to home. And I know he's getting recruited hard by, you know, Ole Miss and, 
and obviously Tennessee still um, pushing hard for him. And I'm wondering, you know, what makes me think is he's reconsidering that, you know, maybe being closer to home is, is a higher priority uh, to him and his family. Yeah. Well said. All right. Next question we have from, uh, dot Adam. He says, uh, any Devin Ford update at all? Um, the updates out of, uh, the university of Notre Dame is that he's going through concussion protocol. That was a pretty rough hit. Uh, so I don't think you'll see him this weekend at NC state. Anything to add to that, Joe? Nope. Okay. Um, next up, uh, question from nyr.today. He says, Gerby Lambert, question mark. Um, so, you know, there are rumors that – so Gerby has been telling coaching staffs that he's going to make his commitment before season starts. His season starts this weekend. So we'll see. Uh, but there are rumors that he was at Boston College uh, this past weekend or, you know, rumors that he's this and that. So – this is an interesting one. It, last week we had a question about Gerby, and I was like, yeah, it's, in my opinion, it's a done deal, and it's just a matter of time. But I don't know, the longer this drags out, the more I'm like, eh, what's what's really going on here? So I don't know, Joe, what do you think? Yep, the longer it drags out, the longer I get a little bit more worried because it's like, what what are we waiting on? What 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 else does Notre Dame have to sell you that that this is the program that you want to be in the next four years or three years? Um, you know, the one thing positive I'll say is Boston College did not look good this weekend, uh, this past weekend either. Yeah. You know, losing to NIU and if Gerby was there, you know that that's got away on some part of his decision that you know is this a program that is 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 losing to Mac schools, um, and you know. That, that I hope that, that puts uh, Notre Dame in the favor. But again, more drags out, the more I'm a little bit, little bit, little bit more worried. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that one plays out. But uh, I don't know. I think it's anybody's guess at this point. All right. Uh, last question here uh, from Instagram and, and to wrap up questions. It's from Thomas Gerk, G-E-R-K-E-5-5. He wants to know green pom poms or towels versus OSU. Oh, I kind of liked this question. It's a good one to finish on. It's kind of lighthearted. I well, what, what say you, Joe? I, you know, I, you know, I, I'm kind of going with the green pom poms. You know, if we can get that place, as I've said, sea of green, an absolute, you know, madhouse with you know, the excitement and energy that the Notre Dame fans are feeling. And, and make that into uh, kind of almost an SEC vibe with, with the pom-poms. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. As long as it brings excitement. I think towels um, are a little bit, I don't want to say outdated, but they're, they're, I think pom-poms give a bigger, better effect on the TV. And, um, you know, they make a little noise too. So I'll, I'll go with the green palms. Okay. I like it. Um, you know, I – I will say this, being at the stadium this past weekend for the home opener, I mean, it wasn't like a green out or anything, nothing planned, but it did seem like 85 to 90% of the fans were wearing green, which I was pumped about. I, I've been I've been 
on my soapbox about this for a long time. Irish fans got to wear green. It sticks out in the stadium. It's a, it's a unifying color. So I was happy about that. Um, as far as green pom-poms versus towels, I just hope one of them is provided to all the fans coming in <laughs> yes. uh, for yes. the game. Because, uh, number one, the university can afford it. Number two, it adds to the atmosphere. But uh, if I got to pick one, I'm going with towels. I, I don't know. I'm a little old school, uh, you, you know, swinging the towels around. I, I don't know. I just kind of like it. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess we have differing opinions on that one. But um, yeah, we'll we'll roll You're with the that. Old soul. So I, I'm the old soul, right? I'm the older one here, so right. I I got to keep with my my old school vibe. Um, so uh, do you have any final thoughts for us, Joe? As far as um wrapping up this week's show? No. Again, thanks guys for the support so far. Uh, it's been fun doing this with Nick, and uh, we want to continue it. And we got some a lot. A lot more exciting games down the stretch here that I'm very eager to watch, talk to Nick about, and and hear your guys' insights on on how Notre Dame is doing. So don't don't be afraid to hit us up, uh, ask us your question, interact with us on Twitter, and uh, we're going to keep this thing moving. Yeah, well said. And I want to also thank you guys because, you know, looking at our analytics on Apple and, and Spotify and all that, our viewership has been going up big time and uh, we appreciate it so much. You know, you guys keep supporting us. We'll keep, you know, uh, bringing this stuff to you guys. This is, we're fans and and we want to bring some type of entertainment and and Notre Dame news to you guys. So um, we appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, being awesome fans. So with that, I think that'll wrap up this episode and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Please rate and review our podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at First and Gold Pod, at Nick Kramer IT, and at Joe underscore Kramer underscore IT. Don't forget to check out theirishtribune.com and follow us on all of our socials at the Irish Tribune. Thanks for listening, and of course, go. Thank you.